0: at loveisrael.org that's one word loveisrael.org now here's baruch with today's lesson
1: the bible makes it clear that god is not finished with israel neither the people of israel nor the land of israel and one of the purposes for god's faithfulness to israel is for a testimony that the nations who have come to faith in a new covenant the covenant of Messiah Yeshua that is Jesus Christ those who have believed in him have entered into this new covenant of eternal redemption they can be assured that God is going to keep that covenant because they see God's faithfulness to the covenant that he made with Israel a covenant of blessing a covenant that the promise was related to the land now as we approach the last days and i truly believe we are we see that the jewish people more than in the last two thousand years are in the land of israel god has done what the prophets have promised and that is to return the jewish people back to the land now there's still many many other Jewish people that will be brought back but we see that nearly half some say a little bit more than a half are already back in the land the fact that there's a nation of Israel says much to God's faithfulness and what we can be assured of is that the land of Israel as the prophets teach is going to play a very important role in the last days It is going to be the epicenter, the ground zero for what God will do in establishing his kingdom. First, the millennial kingdom, and then the new Jerusalem. So as God is keeping prophetic truth, bringing the people back to the land, and he will bring a remnant of those who are alive in the last days to faith. We know that two-thirds of the Jewish people, unfortunately, in what's known as Jacob's trouble, what is spoken of in Jeremiah chapter 30 and verse 7, we know that two-thirds are going to perish. But that one-third is going to be brought to faith. This difficult time known as Jacob's trouble is going to be used to bring that third, that remnant, to faith. And they will see the heavens open up, and Messiah, the one who has been pierced, pierced for them and pierced for all the nations, he will return, and he will deliver Israel in faithfulness. He will destroy the enemies of Israel, and he will return to the city of Jerusalem. So the land of Israel still has significance god's role with the jewish people still has great significance and we're going to see that god is and will bring the people back all the people back in fact those that are still in exile. if you read matthew chapter 24 and verse 31 it says there that he will command his angels to go out and gather up those remaining ones that are still outside the borders of israel who's going to do that yeshua so those who embrace a replacement theology those who say that god is finished with the jewish people in that unique covenantal way simply are not biblically sound they are not prophetically driven they ignore much of scripture even paul speaks about god moving in the last days in romans chapter 11 to bring that remnant to faith through the forgiveness of sin and through that work of redemption so messiah is faithful to god's plan god is going to keep covenant as he has promised the question is will believers accept the word of god or deny what the word of god clearly teaches? Well, take out your Bible and look with me to a marvelous chapter, Isaiah chapter 54. Now, we're going to look at the first half of this chapter in this study. We're going to conclude the second half next week. And in this first half, we see that the land of Israel figures in a predominant way in God's purposes, His plans. We're going to see God's faithfulness, and it's so significant that God reveals Himself in this passage as Redeemer. Redemption, foundational theological principle, a biblically sound term that speaks of God doing His work to bring those who have a covenantal relationship with Him to faith and to establish them as His people, his kingdom people. So, look with me to Isaiah chapter 54 and verse 1. Notice how it begins. Now, we see that the the feminine is used here. Israel oftentimes is spoken of as a woman, and therefore the feminine gender is used in writing the grammar. And we see a woman who, look at The first verse, it says, Shout, O barren one. This word means a woman who is infertile, that cannot conceive, cannot give birth to children. Now, giving birth to children, biblically is seen as a blessing, as a fulfillment of a call. A woman is called to have children a man is called to father children and therefore he says verse one shout O barren one that did not give birth so she who did not give birth who was barren she is going to shout and this shout is a shout of joy it's one of gladness it's exclaiming joy and praise to the living god but why? She's barren. She did not give birth. It goes on to say in a parallel fashion. Again, prophecy more often than not is poetic in nature. It says, which means to burst forth. It is a strong term of, of emphasizing something with joy, with a shout, bursting forth. And again, that same word is used for shout. So burst forth and shout, he says, and also the word for rejoice. Now other Bibles translate it differently, but this word, sade he lamet, the three letters that that form the root of it, best is understood as a shout, as exclaiming joy, in a very public manner, and it says rejoice she who has not labored meaning has not had to go through labor now there's something that seems in conflict if children giving birth to them is a blessing the fruit of the womb why is one praising god rejoicing shouting bursting forth one who is barren one who has not given birth one who has not gone through labor well notice what it says there's something supernatural God's going to bring a miraculous change one that that the world can't understand can't imagine he says here for and the next word Rabin meaning many and it means just not a majority but an overwhelming majority for many are the sons or the children of the the desolate one and then we have a letter which means more than the children of of he meaning she who is married said the lord now notice if your bible says says the lord in the present it's incorrect it's not the word omer but the word amar and why the use of the past tense? Obviously, we're speaking about something in the future. God's saying it at that time. So logically, we would put it in the present speaking about what he's saying now concerning a future reality. But this is the word of God. It's in the past tense. Why? To show that this promise, even though it's futuristic, it's as good as happened what God says you can trust it just as it's been completed even though it's yet to be fulfilled so the children of the desolate one are more than the children of the married one who has a husband amar hashem god is promising this he is saying this but past tense to confirm that this is for sure move on to verse two now we're speaking about a woman israel the people that even though they have been persecuted we all know about the the devastation of the holocaust and pogroms and other acts and atrocities against the jewish people but nevertheless such hatred and it's hatred first and foremost against god anti-semitism is a hatred against god god's plans god's purposes what god sees as as precious and important and now we see in verse 2 something in relationship to the land that there's going to be a restoration that the land that too was desolate is now going to be fertile and inhabited it says in verse 2 It's a word for broaden. It's in the feminine. So so she has broadened the place. And it's literally your tent. So it's in the feminine, your, your tent. It means broaden the place of your tent. And your curtains of your dwelling places. This is another thing, a reference to, we have the tent and the curtains, that is that bod, that, that fabric of the uh, tent, it says, the curtains of your dwelling places stretch out, meaning you're going to have the need for expansion. Now, many people, if you look at the world, they want Israel to shrink. They want Israel to give up land. This is not God's will. Those who embrace a peace process that's not about peace but putting the Jewish people at a disadvantage these individuals are against the will of God God is not about shrinking the borders of Israel but here verse 2 expanding them expanding the place of your tent and also the curtains of your dwelling place stretch forth make make larger do not. And this is word for save me might translate it. Do not uh, restrain, don't hold back. But it says, lengthen, make longer the cords. So you can imagine if you have a tent, you have those cords. And those cords are attached to the tent and also to the pegs. And then it says at the end, and, and your pegs, you must strengthen. So everything has to be stronger. And larger and bigger and more expansive why well remember verse 1 there's going to be many children there's going to be a great expansion in population and land itself in regard to the land of israel there's simply no other way to understand and interpret these first two verses now move to verse 3. Now, verse 3 is tied because of a very unique word to what we have already studied in the book of Genesis, what we've read earlier in Genesis chapter 28. Now, there is something known as Torah portions. Those are the portions of the book of Moses, the five books of Moses, the Torah, that are read each week in the synagogue. And it's interesting because these Torah portions have names and the one in which there's a connection to what we're going to study in verse 3 with the Torah portion called vayetse which means, and to go forth. So you have this going forth. This word is tied to the word in Hebrew for the Exodus, the Exodus from Egypt, the going forth. It's tied to the concept of redemption now what does it say there let's look at genesis 28 and verse 14. the book of genesis parashat vayatseh chapter 28 and verse 14. now it's going to be speaking about the seed and this is an important word theologically the seed like the seed of abraham it says and behold, and here, God is speaking to Yaakov, to Jacob. And it came about, and it's really, and it shall come about, it's futuristic. That your seed, your seed, O Jacob, so the Jewish people, will be as the, the dust of the earth. And the next word, Ufratsta, Uphratzah. There's a very well-known song in Israel, based upon this verse and this word and it says basically and it shall come about that your seed shall be like the dust of the earth and you shall spread forth very important term burst forth to the west and the east to the north and to the south now we're seeing something God is revealing in this verse how he's going to fulfill his covenantal promise to abraham something must happen and what is that the jewish people that seed of abraham that natural offspring that's called to be a faithful a spiritual offspring as well they're going to inherit the land and they are going to spread out this broadening, making more expansive the land. That's why it says, And you shall burst forth to the west, to the east, to the north, to the south. And only when that happens, it says, Ve vacha, And shall be blessed in you all the families of the land and in your seed. Now, it's redundant twice your seed emphasizing those that came from jacob jacob it's not from abraham because if it was all abraham's descendants it would include ishmael if it was all isaac's descendants it would include esau esau it doesn't it's not until jacob and bene yaakov the children of jacob israel the jewish people it's only then when this promise is made to their seed, their descendants, the Jewish people must spread out in this land as the dust of the earth. Now let's go back to, to Isaiah 54 and verse 3. It says, to the right and to the left. Tif, let's see. You will spread out that same word just in the feminine, in a future construction, not in the past. It says, to the right and to the left you shall burst forth and your seed shall inherit the nations. Now that's going to happen. Your seed, don't spiritualize it. That rips it from the context. Your seed, Jacob, the Jewish people, are going to inherit the nation's meaning. The borders of Israel are going to spread, and in the millennial kingdom, it will be Israel as that ruling nation. That's what Isaiah says earlier in Isaiah chapter 2, when it says that Jerusalem is going to be lifted up as the chief mountain, meaning the chief government, and is going to rule all other mountains, meaning all other governments. This is what this is saying as well. Your seed shall possess or inherit the nations and the desolate cities they will dwell in now this is good news and we're seeing that the foundation of this prophecy is a group of individuals that that are hated by the world hated by the left the liberal the progressives and who am I speaking about the settlers praise god for what's referred to as the settlers in israel going into the heartland of of israel called judea and samaria Yehuda ve shemron and they went to build up these places that were desolate they are fulfilling the scripture so make no doubt about it they are Nishemut nishamot The desolate cities will be inherited, verse 4. Now, there's a change coming, not just to the number and not just to the expansion of Israel, but notice what he says. Look at verse 4. He says, do not fear. Now, why would Israel be fearful? Because in the last days, in their current condition spiritually, they're not close to God. Now, here's what the scripture is telling us. The scriptures telling us that, that the Jewish people do not merit the inheritance of the land. This is something that the Bible never dresses in that manner, that we earn the right to inherit. No, it all comes graciously from God. It's God's decision and God's going to make it happen. But after coming back to the land, there's going to be a change, a spiritual change for for the right direction among the people. He says once more, verse four, do not fear for you will not be ashamed and you will not be disgraced for you will not be made ashamed for the. The shame of your youth, you will forget, meaning in the past. All this shame, all this failure, all this faithlessness, all this disobedience, it's going to be forgotten. As well, what else will be forgotten? The disgrace of your your widowhood. Now, it's using two words for one that's young, one that's old, meaning all that history is going to be forgotten it shall not be remembered meaning you are not going to be remembered anymore in this manner verse 5. for your husband your maker now in verse 5 there's a change the change is to emphasize god it's going to be god that brings all of this about taking this shame this disgrace, this, this uh, uh, former condition that was, was disgraceful, it's God that's going to take it away. Look at verse 5. For your husband, your maker, the Lord of hosts is his name. And who is he? And, and don't miss this, and your redeemer. So important this concept of redemption and that god redeems now he does it through the son of god messiah yeshua jesus for your redemption or your redeemer is the holy one of israel and who is this one the holy one of israel the god over all the earth he shall be called that means he shall be recognized as god almighty the ruling god the god who is all authority, sovereign. Now, God is revealing himself in this manner because he's the one that's going to bring this about. This is his will. This is his plan, his purpose, according to what he has established. And it's very, very foolish for you and me to disagree with that. And why would we? Why would someone say that that the land of Israel has no more significance there's a false teacher from minneapolis his name's john piper and he has said there's no longer any more significance to jerusalem that it is to to istanbul or london or any other nation's capital that is a false statement jerusalem is very, very important. God says it's the, the apple, meaning the pupil, of his eye. It's precious to him. It's important to him. It's part of his future plans. It's the kingdom location for that millennial kingdom. And that's why false teachers like Piper have to say, well, I, I'm really not uh, uh, pre-millennial. I, I tend to be amillennial, meaning there is no millennial. Why? Well, if there's a millennial, it ruins all of their theology, so they just set it aside. Or they do this, they say, and this is a real deceiver, they say, oh, I'm pre-millennial. But they put the millennial kingdom and the New Jerusalem together. They, they put it together so it says, well, Messiah is going to come, and he's going to come back before he establishes his kingdom, but they don't mean the millennial, they mean the New Jerusalem. They combine that, and that's a distortion we need to follow all of what the word of god reveals prophetically not combine things that the word of god does not you say how can you be so sure that the millennial kingdom and the new jerusalem aren't one because the millennial kingdom has a temple the new jerusalem doesn't when you look at what it says concerning the millennial kingdom and the new jerusalem it is very very different in fact in the new jerusalem it says all things are new meaning it's different let's press on look if you would to verse six it says for as a woman is is abandoned and she is sad of spirit the lord has called you so god's making a change the lord has called you and what is he called a young woman for and this is word for for reproach for your reproach he says the lord has said your lord your god has said meaning this this reproach all of this god's going to deal with he is going to proclaim this one who was seen as an abandoned woman who was who was sad in spirit she is going to be called again by the lord this one who was was young and was rejected says the lord god he's going to call a very important verse this one who was rejected this one who was loath in the past god's going to proclaim he's going to do so And what's going to be the outcome of that? Well, look now to verse 7. He says, Berega katon, for a little while, I have left you. But, now this is a word, ve, in this case it's u, but it's understood with the modern Hebrew word, aval. It shows a contrast. Look again at at verse 7 in a small moment is literally what it said so in a little while small moment i have left you but with and this is important but with great mercy i will gather you and this gathering you up is so significant and we see in many of the prayers of the prophets and what we say in the synagogue today this word cabets appears frequently it's based upon this promise that god is going to look at that one who was rejected this one who was downcast this one who was no longer and god's going to speak to her call her back and he's going to do so how as god calls all people with great mercy he says i will gather you verse eight Our last verse. Be' Shetsef. Now, this is a word for like a fury, like a flowing, but it's also with regard to flames or fire. And we have the next word, Ketsef, which is anger. So, in a flame of fury, meaning anger or wrath, he says, My face i hid a moment from you so god was angry he had fury for his people and he hid his face from them for a moment but he says but with eternal grace chesed olam with eternal grace i have been merciful to you it's a promise now, many translate it in the future, and that's fine. It's in the future when it's going to happen, but it's literally in the past. rehamtecha I have been merciful to you. Meaning, God, this mercy that he's going to extend in the future to Israel is assured it's going to happen. And who's speaking? Said, once more, not says, but said, your Redeemer, the Lord. Again, this concept of redemption. God's going to redeem Israel. He is going to bring Israel back to a a thriving and glorious covenantal relationship with him. And how is he going to do that? How has he brought anyone into a, a good covenantal relationship with him, meaning that people are one with him by mercy? is there anyone who has been reconciled to god who is not a recipient of mercy god's grace god's forgiveness that god saw us as as sinners as as deemed appropriate for his wrath but god spoke grace god spoke forgiveness and he we who were rejectable by him we were forgiven and we, by his love, by his proclamation of grace, mercy, and forgiveness, we who were once abandoned, he reached out and brought us home unto him. And the fact that God is going to do that in the last days to Israel and fulfill all of his promises should be a cause for everyone to have joy and gladness and praising God for his faithfulness, not having a theology that that says that won't happen why would anyone not want god to fulfill his prophetic promises and i would say and i'll close with this one of the reasons why in many churches prophecy is just set aside not studied. people don't understand the books of 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 the prophetic books is because it doesn't fit the theology of the leaders And therefore, they just ignore it. Don't ignore prophecy. Prophecy gives us a right view for understanding Messiah. Israel forsook prophecy and couldn't recognize Messiah when he came the first time. Don't be similar to this. Be like the remnant of Israel always is, faithful to the word of God. There is a remnant of Israel that hath always believed, believed and received Messiah. We see that, for example, in John chapter eight, there were those, it says many of the Jews believed. Those false replacement theologians only want to focus in on a segment of the leadership. Don't make that mistake. Read all of what John 8 says. There's a remnant. Of many believers, read what the book of Acts, going back two thousand years ago, when when Paul was spoken to, and he was told, the Mildreds, meaning the ten thousands of ten thousands of Jewish people, who believed that gospel, and they were all zealous for the law. This is the framework that the Word of God gives to us. Let's submit to that, not to false theology. Well, I'll close with that. Shalom from Israel.
0: Well, we hope you will benefit from today's message and share it with others. Please plan to join us each week at this time and on this channel for our broadcast of loveisrael.org. Again, to find out more about us, please visit our website, loveisrael.org. There you will find articles and numerous other lectures by Baruch. These teachings are in video form. You may download them or watch them in streaming video. Until next week, may the Lord bless you in our Messiah Yeshua, that is, Jesus.